I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. We're two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, hey, Eve. Kieran. <laughs> we always do this. I don't think, like, we're never, it's never going to not happen. We're always we going to say it at the same time. That's fine. It's just how it is. I am really excited about our guest today. Me too. This has been a long time coming. And for those of you who've been in like the post-fundamentalist spaces for a long time, you will probably be like have very strong emotions, good or bad. I don't know, whatever about this. But, you know, I think this is great. I'm excited. So you want to introduce yourself? Me? Yeah. Are you talking to me? Uh, yes. um, I'm like, tell, 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 tell them who you are. My name is Stephanie Drury. I'm 46 years old. <laughs> I live in Seattle, <laughs> Washington. And I have known you, Eve, for like 10 years, I want to say, just online through yeah. the stuff Christian Culture Likes space, which started out as a blog in like, oh, nine, I want to say. Yeah, yeah something right. like that. Yeah. So you are, yeah. Yeah, we, just a we've long known time. each. I wouldn't say, I don't small. like the word fan, but I just feel like, because everyone is, <laughs> it, no one's a fan of this. Like it's, it's like a, a survivor's community. And We've just been making pastors mad on the internet for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> they, so, yeah. um, Okay, so for those who don't know stuff Christian culture likes, or you like, where did it start? What is what is stuff Christian Christian culture likes? Yeah, it's it's so funny because that I got the name just from that a book that was out at the time called uh, "Stuff White People Like," and this was I want to say '08, and it was new, and I uh, had been on a road trip with two friends who were atheists and they were asking about the election coming up with uh, the Palin McCain ticket had just been announced. And they're like, how could the Christians endorse these warmongers? What is the deal? (laughs) And I was like, Oh, let me tell you all about it. And I, they're like, geez, you really know a whole lot about the subject. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. And I had just started therapy because I had just been disowned by my parents and I actually found a really good counselor. I've had bad therapy, but this, this was a good therapist. And um, anyway, I was starting that process of, I guess, deconstructing is what, <laughs> what the kids we call are calling it now. It now. Yeah. <laughs> and they call it evangelicalism now and not uh, Christian culture. Like I didn't, evangelicals were there, but I was like, there's no buzzword for this. And that blog stuff Christians like was already up. Oh, Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. This guy named John Acuff, and it was he's nice. Oh, God. Yeah, right. He's nice, right, right. but that that blog was straight up evangelical Christian culture, and there was nothing. It was like trying to be ironic, but there was no irony because that guy was all bought in. And so I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, talk about stuff that Christian culture likes, and it started out kind of not serious, and then it got it started getting serious. <laughs> so the deeper you get into it, I remember you're like. You know, you would do these these Twitter searches to highlight like people on Twitter who were going and like talking about like their smoking hot wives and like their like worship services on Sunday mornings being lit and just like <laughs> you know parroting these things, you know, drawing all of these lines between 
you know, the language, I think it was the linguistics that really like caught my attention. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what it was that I, it's, it's like when you've been swimming in an aquarium all your life and then you realize, Oh, I've been breathing or, you know, just subsisting in this yeah. environment that I, I really didn't understand. And so like, I, I think I started with the, I'm like, why did these catchphrases always bother me? Those smoking hot wives, the date night, all, all the rock and worship, in the season, intentional. It's just like, why does that hit me? Like, and so I just started doing these searches and the people get pissed. They're like, you're making fun of us. I'm like, yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, why are you saying that? You know, what's, what's going on underneath that? And um, it, it was really, it was really fun to have other people follow along and say, Oh my gosh, I never named this either. And um, my parents turned out to be not very nice either, even though they, uh, subscribe to Jesus and say that he he's so loving and they're they want to follow him and yet they're <laughs> totally willing to cut me out of the family and uh, they don't miss me at all <laughs> so it was really really healing for me to have so many people say that they had similar experiences yeah and then you you got really focused on um, whistleblowing with abuse so there were a lot of people who were doing yeah. that at the same time but like I also remember like the oh God, what was his name? Jim, not Tony, Tony Jones. Yeah. Tony Jones. Uh, yeah. Like I intentionally forgot this man's name, but like, I remember you like going off about that and like exposing what was going on. Oh with- my God. That's right. Stuff. Christian culture likes raised $20,000 for his ex-wife to have an attorney. And um, just because she, he kept suing her at regular intervals and the, had a lot of funding to do so and had a really expensive lawyer who sent me letters <laughs> told oh me to God. take everything down off the internet. And I'm like, how do you sleep at night? May God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really enlightening to see, okay, these are not isolated cases and they shame victims into being silent and they really make you pay if you do tell. And yeah, right. it's, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's just too much. So it's really nice to have a community to talk about it with. Yeah. You've been doing this for so long. It's really, it's been really important to have your, your voice in this community and so many different moments. So I'm glad you're doing it. And I know it's exhausting. Yeah, I know. That's the whole thing. It's like, I, I I can get really to the, in, in the mindset of I need to help, I need to do this. And it's no, it, it doesn't have to be just me. You know, if, as long as you're getting awareness out there, other people can come alongside. And yeah. I'm just now figuring that out. after <laughs> like 10 years. We were literally just talking about this right before you got on here. Yeah. <laughs> about like our, our, our superpower to not burning out is believing that we're replaceable always. Yes. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Text that to me because I need yeah. to have that at the ready. It's really, really good. It's very liberating to know that like if you step back, other people can continue the work. Or mm-hmm. if you step back and like it stops happening for a bit, like the world isn't going to end. Like it'll yeah. it'll be fine. You can yeah. take care of yourself. Yeah, and it'll be better after you know your work will be better. Yeah, exactly. I had a situation this week in one of the places that I organized where I had to tell one of the members who was taking too much on to like take a step back so other people can do things and realize that 
their insecurity was feeling like everything was on their shoulders. I'm like, no. And the way you realize that it's not all on your shoulders is by stepping back and watching stuff still happen. Like that's, that is the best feeling. Yeah. And if it, if it doesn't keep going without your momentum, then maybe it's not an organic movement anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not, it's not time um, for that to, yeah. yeah, there's other places that's needed. So. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, what I would love to talk to you about is the whole conversation around Mars Hill and what's been going on lately. And, you know, I think a lot of the, the folks who listen to our stuff maybe don't know the whole, the whole history and your involvement in um, bringing, <laughs> bringing them down. But uh, before we get into that, like if anyone has been around in these, these spaces longer, I'm sure they, they have some questions and I'd like to just like, name the elephant in the room so we can get that out of the way and like actually have a great conversation. <laughs> so, um, so you got canceled as the I, kids say. I did <laughs> like, um, what, what year was that? It's been like, it's I want to say 2014 time. or 13 or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I didn't see that coming. And, um, it had been in a space where like I was used to being like, whatever I can, you know, pushing back if people were trying to get me to be quiet because that's what I was. My platform was, it's like, Hey, I can say this stuff. I can't talk about, you know, stuff that's happened to me. Cause that's my story. And, uh, who are you to tell me not to do anything? <laughs> so it, yeah, but I, ugh, I, I'm so sad that I hurt anybody with stuff. I was, yeah, I just kept, tweeting it i'm like no i can i can do this f y'all and well i think this is i think this is just like i mean this is such an example of like a thing that happens to everybody who's on the internet too much like I just, yeah. this is such a not a unique story so for those who don't know like what happened was is like uh you're notorious for like pushing the envelope and like joking around and saying shit that's just like a little bit above and beyond, you know, you, you, it's, there's a, there's a very traditional comedic element to your presence online on Twitter. And you use the word tranny in a tweet and people came after you because you're cis and heterosexual as far as I know. <laughs> and like, that's not, you know, your word to use. And uh, you doubled down on it when people said like, you can't use that. Um, and it's just so interesting because, and I'll let you, I'll let you like explain what was going on in your mind at the time, because we've already talked about this, but when you're online so much in trauma spaces, when you're using your own trauma to advocate for others, when you're, as Elizabeth Esther used to say, like running back into a burning house all the time, they like, you asphyxiate yourself at a certain point, you stop being able to like breathe. You don't put your gas, your own oxygen mask, not gas mask, your own oxygen <laughs> mask on <laughs> first. And so like that, that like ability to just like be a hot mess online and just like double down is such a like normal trauma reaction. And we see it happen a lot. Wow. That's very Oops. gracious for you to name it that way. Cause I, I don't want to make any excuses. But I, I do remember feeling like that, that, oh, I have to, you know, my survival mechanism kicked in. Something primal kicked in. I don't want to say survival because I, I was just freaking 
behind a screen, but um, yeah, something kind of primal took over and yeah, I'd been watching a lot of drag, drag race and I went, oh, <laughs> oh, you guys are mad about something again. I said again, oh, I can't like, I think shortly before that, they uh, didn't like how I talked about certain events that happened to me because it was flippant. And I'm like, I, I do get to talk about this, but that was a, it. It didn't, I, I'm just so embarrassed by how binary and boomer my thinking was and still is. I mean, so very often I, I, I'm so grateful I have teenagers to tell me now. They're like, sorry, sorry, that's uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and so that's so extremely helpful. But um, I'm very grateful for people who did say something like, yeah, you got to speak up. And, it, it, you know, that's kind of the point is like, it doesn't matter how they take it. You have to speak up for what's right. And let's let's hope they'll eventually hear. But um, you've done your part in um yeah. Once you've spoken up. So do you feel like there was like a, like restorative educational process? Yeah, I, well, yes, I don't, I can't think of a, yeah, another situation where I could have really had so much access to immediate access to good information and people's experiences. I was like, holy crap. Okay. And then God, it felt terrible. So, uh, it, not to make it about me, but it's when you, when I realized like, Oh my God, that is, is major. And yeah, that really sucked. So, uh, just cause you know what that's like to feel disposable by someone who has more privilege than you. Like they don't, they don't care. They don't have to is the whole point of, of trying yeah. to call this out. <laughs> like no empathy. The, the lack of empathy is the problem. It, it, it's this combination of like, we come out, came out of the subculture where we had no idea about it anything and we were trying to learn on the fly and and it was also the tight the like height of that tumblr feminism mm -hmm. you know where it's like we have to like always be snapping on someone if they're saying the wrong thing and so this is combination of like trying to learn so much so quickly and being traumatized online yep and just like not having a shot <laughs> Yeah, at the time, like shortly before this happened, I had started uh, labeling that particular movement you just mentioned. I like was calling them fund of feminists because I was saying it feels like you are taking the fundamental, the conservative fundamentalism in which we grew up and applying those same mores to liberal politics. And is like, I just remember, you know, already being at odds with <laughs> with some people over that. And so when that came up, I'm like, oh, more fun to feminist. But I, I don't think that's a helpful label now. I mean, it puts it in context, but it just makes I you mean, think labels aren't aren't super helpful. You know, it, it's always better to engage with the person if you can. And But also, this is something that, like, Karen and I do talk a lot about is, like, this, like, anytime there's that binary black and white thinking, mm -hmm. even if it is, like, in those correct spaces, like people get lost in the process. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's what it comes down to. And it just feels like that's the, the larger problem across Christian culture. Well, all power structures, the binary thinking and marginalization of anyone who is not lucky enough to have been born with this unearned privilege. <laughs> and in other cases, people do earn the work their way up, but then, you know, abuse of power, they say comes as no surprise. I've been thinking about that phrase a whole lot because I'm still surprised 
it just, it really <laughs> is a kick in the gut when I'm surprised when someone in power that you trusted, like doesn't use it well. And it's like, <laughs> yes, it still does come as a surprise, you guys, but uh, yeah. it's, it's very human, I suppose. That's what the point is. Anyway, what were we talking yeah. about? Sorry about that tangent. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good. Um, Kieran, you want to kick us off on the Marcel part of the conversation, unless you have anything else you want to add? No, like I think, I, I guess the one thing that I want to underscore is that we all fuck up online to varying degrees. I have also been canceled. Like the important thing is that you learn from it and you like make an effort not to do that again and you keep educating yourself and the internet is just notoriously unforgiving and it's terrible, but like. I think something that we all need to learn, um, especially on Twitter, is that like people aren't omniscient. Like no one knows everything and stuff is changing all the time. So like you have to give people room to like grow and correct themselves too. And there's such a huge difference between someone like getting canceled because they're in a learning curve and they haven't caught up and they're trying and someone who is getting canceled because they're doubling down on power they already have. Well, I was kind of, I feel to- like I was kind of doing that. <laughs> I feel like I was an asshole. I'm like, <laughs> yes, you did. Do, you, yes, you, you did do that. But let me like, let me finish where, where I was going. It's like, you didn't, you didn't go with that to the, the way the, like this current Substack bros have gone. Whereas like, mm. Oh, I got canceled from my job at the New York times. And I'm going to go take this like six figure deal from Substack to like be a bigot online without an editor. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. <laughs> there's That's there's so a difference. Heartbreaking. There's there's a- a- yeah. Yeah. There's I'm just thinking large, about that yeah. now because they can get like, I know someone who got canceled and then within 24 hours, he had a Patreon, like $8,000 a month subscription to Patreon. Shit. So he could go be a sexist asshole in private <laughs> with right. a bunch exactly. of fans and it's like no accountability. So right. yeah. and that's, that's not what you did. You stayed in the community. You kept learning and you like acknowledged the fact that you fucked up. So that's all I, I want. Know. That's all. Yes. <laughs> that's all I want other people to do. <laughs> yes. Like I, I want, and I'm not. I don't want to ask it about other people if I'm not willing to do it. So <sighs> that's that's kind of what. Yeah, the Mars Hill thing uh, to bring it full circle mm-hmm. is um, being here in Seattle. This was the home base for Mark Driscoll's church, Mars Hill, and we um, just let's see, moved here in '99, and it was just getting going, and we heard oh there's this church Marcel it's really cool and I'm like I was already oh, like scared yeah. of a cool church I was pretty young I was like 24 but I was already like mm, <laughs> this means it's going to be extra extra just poser trying so hard and I kept hearing so much about it that I went to exactly one service and um I was like the hell is going on <laughs> this guy is like they hand out earplugs at the door and Everyone, what? Because it was going to be so loud. Because the music's so excellent. The music the rock and worship. Talk. Yes, it was. It was straight up stereotypical rock and worship. And um, sorry for any former Mars Hill worship that they pastors have to listening. Pass out PPE when you enter. They didn't have to. Well, it, did. it wasn't like a Husker Du concert or anything. Yeah. Like, but that was, they did. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was all posturing. Like it just felt all cheesy and everyone's wearing seven jeans. And I'm just like, I don't like it here. And then Mark preached (laughs) for like an hour. And part of that is uh, the part of his sermon that really super alarmed me was when he said that uh, women need to have sex with the lights on if that's what their husband wants them to do. And everyone cheered. And I had had enough therapy at that point to know that there were so many survivors of sexual assault in that a crowd of that size of any size, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And it just, I I just, every, you know, fiber of my being is like, I got to get away from this is a dangerous man. And everything that I was thinking has just been confirmed without a doubt. And after that, trying to tell people about it and Oh, whatever. No, he's such a good speaker. He's this. And well, then I started, he's really magnanimous and he's like doing stuff for the gospel. Man, it's okay if he's a little cheesy, if you think he's cheesy and it, it just <laughs> everything that you've been told, uh, ways that they train you to deny your intuition <laughs> right. uh, from growing up. So uh, you're just uh, a woman with feelings. I have so many right. feelings. Mark is <laughs> totally so logical much- and also doesn't so have logical. feelings. That's, that's why he's yeah. such a good speaker is he's monotonous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um, thank God. I, I got, I heard stories from someone who was at a birthday party who threw for his wife. And these are, okay, I'm sorry. I'm very tangential. I'm not professional. I'm <laughs> training. We, we, I hate we, my we, voice. We, <laughs> we, we are uh, an ADHD-friendly podcast. And yes. please continue oh with God. your tangents. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just diagnosed a couple months ago. Uh, so I'm, welcome to yeah. the club. It's Thank great. you. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad uh, another another niche for me to fit into. Um, <laughs> I feel like I have more community. Yeah. So I just remember someone telling me that he was at a birthday party that Mark had for his wife, Grace. And he had a big list of like goals for your life. And, and one of them, probably the most important one to him was, how much do you want to weigh in one year? So this was no. very much th- that culture, like, they, you know, the hot wife culture was just so prominent. And that was not new to me. I'm from the South. And that's just your currency. And yeah, you grew up, you grew up with the Mary Kay church lady stuff. So did. Oh, my God. I can. Oh, Mary Kay. I just. <laughs> yeah. Shocks yeah. when I see that, like, light pink Cadillac, even though it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Objectively. Yeah. Um, it so, sucks because it is like cool, <laughs> but it's also terrible. <laughs> like so, like everything I like has <laughs> some something to it to just ruin it for me. So, so Mr. Penis Holmes. Oh my god! Was 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 chatting about how she she wanted what she wanted to weigh in a year? My yeah, god. yeah. It's her friends. It's one of her friends. You know why not? So it was just right shortly after that I heard. Um, from women who had been there. Now this is where it gets really real and really serious because they were shaking. They were physically trembling because they were all experiencing suicidal and homicidal ideation from the teachings of the church of Mars Hill. They had all had careers when they started attending Mars Hill and uh, marriages promoted. So, you know, like most cults, they want to marry you, get you married and breeding. So mm-hmm. they would have women pressure people to get married and having kids, women staying home. Mark is just very big into this. And people were like, yeah, gender roles. This is great. Co- uh, complementarianism. <laughs> uh, equal, but different. Isn't that what they mm-hmm. say? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, it's not equal. Y'all aren't equal. 
at all. No. You are I mean, that's what they used to say about segregated schools, so. Yes, exactly. So just seeing how these women were just fighting for their mental health. And when they went to the pastors at Mars Hill, they were told that they needed to just uh, pray harder and submit more to their husbands as a remedy for these impulses to kill themselves and their children. And they had signed a contract, which Mars Hill called a covenant that said, you are not allowed to get any outside counseling. And so when they told oh me this, God. I'm like, what do I do with this information? And so I started a Twitter. Just a similar thing. Yeah. I started a Twitter called at fake Driscoll. And within an hour of creating that account, I don't know how they got my email, but I got an email from them and all this legalese. And it was like, you are allowed to have a parody Twitter account, but you have to make absolutely clear that it is um, not actually Mark Driscoll. And I just said, I don't know how much clearer it could be than being the handle is fake. Driscoll. <laughs> I know it was my freaking handle. Um, and so that was my bio for a long time. Now it just got suspended in oh. November. Uh, I can't get it back. There's no option. It's absolutely so shut down. Whoa. So, this is kind of when Mar- it happened around the time Mark started going on giant blocking spree. I remember everyone was tweeting about that, but uh, it was up and running for, yeah, I had a good run. And <laughs> when he finally did step down, they said that this, I heard from some people who uh, worked at Martel that they, they said, yeah, they just couldn't handle the social media onslaught anymore, which is why he was finally forced to step down. But so do you feel like you were the, responsible for the social media? I onslaught? mean, I, I was a piece of the puzzle. Like everyone, we're all a team. You guys <laughs> <Everybody> <laughs> look for the helpers. So, um, but people said, aren't you so excited? You, you got him kicked out. I'm like, no, he's just going to do it again. He didn't learn his lesson. Yeah. He didn't apologize for a thing. He said mistakes were made. <laughs> He'll come back with a book deal. Like it's not, yeah. oh, there's that's, that's the way of the pastors who are forced to resign is they then get to publish their books about how right they were this whole time and how sad it was that their seat was taken away from them. Like, yeah, there's no it, repentance. It, it, there. It's, a, it's the original mm-hmm. Substack deal. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. is. It really it 100% is. 100% is. Do you remember when Mark Driscoll uh, got caught buying his own books with church tithe money so he could get on the best Oh, yeah. yes, I do remember this. And this is such a – okay, so for those of you who don't know book, book industry stuff, like the New York Times bestseller list is kind of not real. And one of the ways that it is not real is that people will often buy their way onto the list if they can afford it. So you can say, like, I don't know, Donald Trump Jr.'s book, like, hit the list. And it's pretty clear that, like, it was because he had a shell corporation buying up his books. And Driscoll did a very similar thing. But he got, like, actually caught because he's not sneaky enough to, like, (laughs) actually get get away with it. (laughs) I just, the added uh, layer of him using tithe money to buy them all up with is just... Yeah. And still, that didn't bother a lot of people. They're like, yeah, I'll still keep going to this church. Cult's uh, gonna fucking cult. I know. And people think that's an extreme word, but that is that is what it is. So, yeah. It fits, so, it fits the check boxes. So, so, what's 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 been going on with Christianity today in this podcast? Like, all yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, there's a publication. A little bit about how the podcast came to be. Like, what do you know what happened? It was just like suddenly appeared. Well, I have my own 
theories, but um, I started hearing about a year, like last fall sometime, Christianity Today is going to do a podcast on Mars Hill, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, do a podcast series. Would you be interested in being on it? And sure, like have them email me. So this guy did, the producer of it, did email me, asked if I'd want to be on it. This was like in January. And um, then in April, I want to say, he tweeted something shaming spiritual abuse survivors. I replied, you have to be able to push back against spiritual abuse. But, you know, whatever I say, I just rattled it off. Wasn't mean. He probably thought I was mean, but, you know, everything you say to a white dude, you have to, like, talk down to them and be like, oh, just just pat it a little bit. So I did all that. Didn't Never heard back from him after that. So it made me think, oh, so is this podcast possibly, um, hmm, could Christianity Today, which is um, not supported by subscriptions, but by donations from people who voted for Trump, extensive funding. Could this uh, publication possibly have an ulterior motive? And <laughs> so that's when it, I was really like, oh. what's the quality of journalism they put out in the past? Right. It's a, it's a trade publication. Billy Graham started it. It's yeah, like the sausage industry writing their own copy. It's of, not. Yeah. But it's making not it look re- like, it's oh, it's really pretty and flagrant. It's they, they need an actual journalistic outfit to cover this. Cause that would be a good documentary. If someone or podcast series, if someone actually did a good job with it, but just the fact that everyone I've heard who has listened to the podcast has attended Mars Hill and is female. They are so triggered by the way this is framed. The victims are completely decentered. Their stories were not their whole. The I've talked to a few people who were actually interviewed and were on the podcast and they go so much of my, what I told him was edited down, didn't make it on. And then he framed it to look like I was supportive of Mark Driscoll. Oh my God. Ooh. Like my, yeah. Yeah. It's one thing to like, it's a hearsay, obviously if I'm saying it, but um, no, but like, it's one thing to trim things down to nuggets. Like you do have to do that in journalism. You do have limited time and like Mm -hmm. space and like, but to, to misrepresent the overall intent of Mm -hmm. your sources comments is just deeply unethical. Yeah. Yeah. This, my, this woman, she's, she pastors the church I go to. Her name is Rose Sweatman. And she is, um, she has a, I want to say she has a doctorate, um, but she teaches at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. She's very knowledgeable in power systems, religious institutions. She's in her 60s. She's, <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. And she mm-hmm. told him, she said, in my interview, I said, uh, yes, Mark did buy groceries for single mothers. And you are, you know, framing that, or, or I think she said the way he was asking the question was like, oh, wasn't Mark kind to the single mothers though? Wasn't that a nice thing that Mark did? And she goes, well, that's grooming. You know, <laughs> when, when someone treats you horribly and then buys you a lot of presents and then mm-hmm. treats you horribly, again, that's trauma bonding. That is grooming. It's an it's abuse love, of power. And so she, she explained yeah. it really well to him. She said, none of that made it into the interview. Of course <laughs> and, not. But that's a really important element. And I've just heard so, yeah, obviously, like if we're going to talk about uh, how people are harmed and the ways it happens, it doesn't, everything I'm hearing is that it doesn't sound like that podcast is interested in um, really getting to the bottom of this and abolishing the structure. Everyone that I've talked to feels like they are interested in continuing 
this. They're pumping Mark up. They're saying things like, but he's actually a really good guy and just oddly flattering of Mark after they say, oh, he did this, but hey, but hey. Is this a, because I know he's like started a new church and like Mm -hmm. trying to like reset himself up. Like, is this, is this just like a PR campaign to like get him back where he was? Like what, what do you, what is the overall intent? I mean, these guys are all, they all know each other. Like the the producer of the podcast, uh, he used to be on staff at Nax 29 church in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And they, they just go way back. Like all these guys have the same politics. They support the same stuff. Some of them would say, oh, I voted for Biden, but these guys are not like yeah. out there campaigning uh, actively for deconstruction of your faith. Like they are all very terrified of deconstruction because that threatens what they can wield. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I Is thought it, it was the signs of a cult that you can't ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You, you're out yeah. if you ask any questions. So yeah, when I saw that, like there was going to be a podcast about the rise and fall of Mars Hill, I was initially intrigued so it's like oh that's interesting and then i saw it was by christianity today and i'm like "Mm, Mm. that is not actually going (laughs) to be doing the things that it should be doing and i haven't like really i have it like i've listened to a little bit of the josh harris episode but like i haven't been following it very hard other than people are talking about how it's terrible to like all the abuse survivors who like we're involved in it. Yeah. I don't think that uh, a publication like Christianity today is interested in actually exposing that sort of thing at all. They platform Driscoll for years and yeah. they platform all kinds of really horrible, sexist, racist people. <laughs> so, uh, so let's, if they actually were to tell the real story mm-hmm. as, as far as you know it, what would, what would that narrative arc be? as opposed to what they're telling. Well, I hope that they would say, let's talk to the people who were hurt the most. Let's talk to the people whose mothers completely melted down and that there's nothing more traumatic for a family than the mental health of a parent to be under siege in that way. As I saw with these women who were shaking and were forbidden from seeking actual outside counseling. So they could have gotten better. It's just like, it's the grossest attack. And um, my good friend was, the main midwife to Mars Hill church. Like they all recommended her past her name around. Uh, it wasn't, I think she had a couple other people working at her practice, but she said that she saw exclusive, almost exclusively Mars Hill couples for a long time there. And she said hmm. that they would say that they um, were being physically and sexually, they didn't use the word abuse, but because they didn't know that word or they wouldn't have wanted to, call it that. Cause when you're being abused by someone in a church, you're like, Oh, I deserve this. Or this isn't really abuse, but it's kind of my consequence. Or this is what God wants me to bear. Mm-hmm. And she just said Suffering that she holiness. was aware of how many of those babies were not conceived consensually because mm-hmm. women were not allowed to say no to sex and men were not supposed to masturbate. Mm-hmm. So that is another, uh, really key factor that I don't know is being discussed. And if it is by that podcast, I don't think that they're interviewing anyone um, about what was really going on. So this friend of mine is talking to someone who wants to expose it. But another piece of this is that it's really difficult to talk about it as a survivor. You don't want your name out there, your face out there. uh, And that's how they get away with it. Mm -hmm. Because 
no one wants to relive, rehash that trauma and get the doubt, like being doubted and shamed for what happened to you. Yeah. Well, and very then, like, if you're still, happen. if you're still in it to some extent, like your whole community turns on you and that's yeah. a lot. It's so much. It's so Ethical much. journalism protects your sources who are alleging mm. abuse. Like that's how that works. Like when I did my Teen Vogue piece on homeschooling, mm. every person I interviewed, even if they were willing to use their real names, if they alleged that they observed abuse in their homes of origin or in their communities, they were their names were changed for mm. their protection. Like mm-hmm. that's that's how you should do it. That's the industry standard. And so like, you know, Christianity today is just like flagrantly like bad journalism across the board, but like stuff like this is really the tell where it's like, yeah, if they're treating you that way, they're not real journalists. Don't, don't work with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm concerned uh, from some of the people I've heard from who had, who did risk their stories and told really personal stuff. And now it's out there and, and not being handled with integrity or care. I don't think it's concerning. Yeah. So while we're, while we're talking about uh, unethical journalism and Christianity today, what's going on with Christianity today? Yeah. <laughs> oh, as far as them being mad at me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you got in a fight with them. It's great. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it started when I'm like, uh, yeah, you can push back against spiritual abuse. And um, then my platform started going down. Like I just, uh, I would be in like Twitter timeout, couldn't tweet anything for like, it it seemed to be about 12 hours at a time. And um, people are telling me, Oh, it looks like a lot of people are reporting you is what's happening. That's going down. But then the stuff Christian culture, like Facebook page, which is my largest platform has like, I want to say 16,000 followers that I can't post anything to it. Like no Mm -hmm. freestanding things. I can share public posts, but Mm -hmm it's not the same. And, hmm. um, I also, I think I'm shadow banned. Cause when I do share something like hardly anyone sees it. So I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I tested, <laughs> I'm doing these little tests where I bought advertising for the first time ever, like $5 to see right, right. what, and, and like hardly it didn't, I, I don't know what's going on. Like it got no more interaction and, uh, Sus. freaky. Yeah, so it's there's, very, there's something shady happening there. I'm, I have to uh, speculate <laughs> that that could be one of the things, because this has never happened in the how many years is it? <laughs> it's been a, like a decade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lucky thirteen. So it's never happened, except one time. I do remember uh, when I would talk about Tony Jones on Facebook. Those posts would <laughs> totally disappear. Oh yeah, just the post about him. So hmm. magical, yeah. magical. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what could possibly be going on. Hmm. I wonder where Definitely this Definitely not a bunch of organized, like, Driscoll cultists doing yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, he, I don't know if you um, listened to the Veterans of Culture War podcast where they interviewed um, the security guards, two people from the security team at Mars, Mark Hills, <laughs> Mark Hills, <laughs> Mars. <laughs> Mark Driscoll's new church called Trinity uh-huh. uh, right. down in Arizona. These people just got fired like a couple months ago in a grand, spectacular David Koresh kind of display. Like it's insane oh, what they fun. will tell you. That, yes, you guys have to listen. Veterans of Culture War. Okay. Wars. What's the story? 
it's about um, how they quit. Like Mark got mad at them for not pulling a gun on some person who had some kind of, they were responding to internal stimuli is the psychiatric term. And uh, while Mark was preaching, like they got on the stage somehow and they didn't pull mm. a gun on him. And Mark got super pissed and fired them and made a bunch of threats. So also at the same time, another really interesting thing going to, and very sad thing going to, on at Mark's new church is that these families are getting separated from each other and being forbidden to see each other. Someone couldn't see her granddad on his deathbed, something like that. Maybe it was a grandma, but um, to the point like people like Mark, who are outside the church, they're not yeah, allowed to see yeah. them. Mark's like, that's a, it's totally like Scientology. Like that's a suspicious person. You can't interact with them. But wow. um, did you hear about how Mark's daughter, let's see, his 17 year old daughter kissed um, this 15 year old guy from the church and Mark found out and like got her phone and texted him. It's like, this is Mark. You can't interact with my daughter anymore. And like, I think kick the family out of the church. Like it's this big giant thing, oh but the God. kid, the 15 year old kid is not going quietly. He like has a video blog and he's hilarious. And he like makes so much fun of Mark. And um, I love please it. give us a link. <laughs> I, I know. I, I can't think of his name. I can't think of the handles, but yeah, if you just Google this stuff, like <laughs> Mark Driscoll kissed 15 year old, <laughs> oh my God. Say something like that. No, it was Mark Driscoll's daughter who did that, but just the way he flew into a rage over that. Someone else pointed out that when Mark's son was engaged, he was allowed to kiss his fiance and Mark didn't have a problem with that, but it's of course because it was his son. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's girls all can't kiss anyone or, we're like a drop of milk in water or whatever. That was my dad's, <laughs> my dad's thing is like, yeah. yeah, most people are like, you know, like the girls are teacups and the men are coffee mugs. My dad is like, wow. If you like, you know, give away a piece of your heart or whatever. He handed me like this glass of water and he put like a drop of milk in it and it got all gross and murky. And he was like, then that's what happens. And I'm like, wow. Gross. Way to shame you. Yeah. It's terrible. At least yeah, it's, it's original definitely continent. original. Yeah. I don't, no one else I know has experienced the milk in the water thing. Like I also had all the norm core stuff, but like in addition to that, it so was like the rose, like all that shit. And yeah, also, and also wow. murky milk water. <laughs> wow. Did, just, I, I'm just curious. What was your response to that at the time? Did you know there was something up or were you like, Oh dear, I better pay attention to this. Or? I was really confused because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was really gross. And I was just like, why is this the example? I don't mm-hmm. understand. Like that's your metaphors aren't mm, working. Dad. Your visual it, it, is it, just like, that's <laughs> all the other ones I can follow. But this one is like, mm, gross. Wow. Yeah, and and um, like it didn't it didn't necessarily cement the purity culture bullshit within me because that was already pretty well cemented. But it was just sort of like I don't I I I didn't understand why my dad felt he needed to give that example to me because I was already on board. Like I didn't need more convincing. I was already mm-hmm. there. Like they'd been telling me this was going to happen for like years and years. So yeah, I was like I yeah, that's, that's just sort of unnecessary maybe to like reinforce it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's a new analogy. Yeah. I haven't heard that story. I've heard about like everyone taking a bite of a piece of pizza and then them saying, Oh, this is you <laughs> like a youth group activity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
squeezing like, all the toothpicks out of a tube and trying to shove it back in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like all of those, you know, I also heard, but I, I do have one Mark Driscoll experience and. Oh, that's it, right. You lived in Seattle for a minute. Well, yeah, really? but it, my Mark Driscoll experience didn't involve being in Seattle at all. It was early on in my marriage. Um, my ex and I got invited to a work trip with the company that they were with at the time. And it was founded by homeschool friends. And we got, we flew into Portland um, and we got picked up by the CEO and his wife. And then we drove for three hours to Bend and the entire drive, they were listening to a Mark Driscoll sermon. I think it was the penis home sermon. It was just him ranting and raving about how terrible women are and how good sex is and how women have to like give sex to their man. It was like like the CEO and his wife were newlyweds. So oh. they were like, this is marital advice. And my uh, ex and I were in the back seat, just like dying. Cause we'd already been doing like the deconstruction work and we're already like, we're both trans and we didn't know it at the time, but like our marital relationship roles had already been switched. Like mm. they did the cooking and I did like the cleaning and shit. And like, we'd already had that worked out. We were already very like subversive and this whole drive, Mark Driscoll was just saying like how bad and awful humans we are for like figuring out how our marriage worked. And we were just like, it was the longest, most awful three hour car ride that like three hours of death. <laughs> three hours it was terrible like the only thing that was worse was like when my ex and i were recording and we went to florida with my family that was a 10-hour trip that was terrible like in in our actual adulthood that was like the worst three hour experience that we'd like shared together and it was just terrible and so when I when I found out that Mark Driscoll was like abusing people and shit, I was like, yeah, no shit. Like I listened to three hours of him preaching and being just like a misogynist, terrible asshole of a person. Like mm-hmm. that tracks. Him being terrible yeah. tracks. Yeah, people just have a weird um, need to defend. So a state when you hear a statement like that, you know, people want to go, Oh no, he, no, he doesn't mean it. No, that's not to everyone. And then like, that's just hmm. universal, you know, it's so dismissive. Yeah. I think it's what you're really interesting. I think that's one of those classic like tells of an abusive relationship is when you're making excuses for your abuser and you're translating them to the outside world. Wow. Yes. And you, because you have been so invested in this and it will make you look bad if they are actually as bad as they are. And it's sunk cost fallacy. And so you're just like, you have to translate to save face. You have to defend them to save face because you are affiliated with this and you are endorsing this person and their behavior. Mm -hmm. And by like defending them and translating them into like a more palatable like mode you are defending yourself even though mm-hmm. it's actually like harming you well and if you if you accept other people's ideas of like this is bad actually then yeah. your entire way of understanding the world has to change and that's a lot of fucking yeah. work well i love it just it's the patriarchy in christian community is so very good at outsourcing its enforcement <laughs> and this is just another one of those examples 
Yeah. yeah we self-police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's also, if you come to terms with the fact that this person that you think you love and probably do love is abusing you, just the heartache of facing that they are, they're capable of that. Yeah. Is so much like people just want to distant dissociate from that. And yeah. I think that's why they stay so much of the time. I mean, I get it. I like, it's a common conversation I have with like people who are leaving abusive marriages or like cutting off abusive parents. Or it's like, I love this person so much. And it's really hard to face that they are like this kind of person to me. And I have to do this for my safety in order to like retain any kind of love for them. Yeah. 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 That's it. I mean, I want so much for there to be redemption for everyone. When I hear Mark Driscoll speak, when I hear all these guys speak, I see a little scared boy who witnessed domestic violence. Like I just, you just know that something along those lines is in their history and has something to do with (laughs) what they became. And it's like, how do you begin the work of getting through to that? And I mean, people say, Oh, you're really harsh by calling that stuff out. It's like, no, you have to name it. There's like that Desmond Tutu quote that I'm sure you are familiar with. It's like, no, like true repentance involves naming the abuse and exposing it for what it is because there's no true healing. Like you can't forget, you can't forget is what Desmond Tutu is saying. He's Mm -hmm. he's like, sure, forgive, but don't forget or else it's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And um, I really do want people to, uh, I, I I would love like restoration to be part of the conversation, but it's just the picture is so large and littered with so many deeply harmed people who the last thing that they can be thinking about is the, <laughs> the restoration of their abusers. The count is really high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's just hard to know where to go and what direction. And people call me angry. Like, um, uh, back to Christianity today, this producer sent my friend um, a DM or an email that I saw um, where he said that I was um, hostile, vitriolic, and frankly, vulgar. That's what, <laughs> that's what Christianity now. today Suck uh, my podcast producer, right? <laughs> Take oh a bite of my great big car. So, yes. yeah, and he said that's why he didn't want to have me on. Yeah, he didn't see how I was involved with the Mark Driscoll stuff and yeah. downfall, but it's like, it's just such an easy way to silence somebody. It's, it's just standard across the board. You're just bitter. You're just bitter. You know, yeah. this, this spirit of bitterness. That's yeah. all I am. Yep. The root of bitterness took root. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I like, tell me exactly how to kiss your ass so that you will know that I am interested in having Where a relationship after so you I stop being abusive. Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me how to talk to you so that you can gaslight me better. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just lay it out. And give that. <laughs> so if, if people want to um, support your bitterness and vitriol, where oh. can they find you? <laughs> uh, on Twitter, it's stuff. CC like at stuff CC likes uh, on Instagram. It's at stuff Christian culture likes and the same on Facebook, except I can't post there anymore. So yeah. If anybody knows how to help her out with this. Let- yeah. <laughs> and I can't tweet as fake Driscoll anymore either. So if anyone can get me unsuspended, 
That would be excellent. Do we know anyone at Twitter who has the power to do these things? <laughs> Thank you. Also, we, please block all the fascists. Like, choose, choose yeah, the right people to suspend. Yeah, I love that David Duke is allowed still on Twitter. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like Driscoll is still not. <laughs> you know, it's fine. You're worse than an actual Nazi. It's, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Naming abuse is more threatening. Mm, That's all mm-hmm. it takes, man. They get mad. They do. Yeah, they don't want, they don't, well, they don't want to see people that see themselves that way. And they don't want people to see them that way because they're like, mm-hmm. I'm doing the best thing ever. And you can't hurt me because God told me to be a dick. And like <laughs> being called <laughs> out on it by, by women is like just an insult to them, I guess. God told me Very to be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Can that be the name of the podcast episode? Yes. <laughs> yes. So we will we will definitely name it that. Yes. Um well thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I am I'm really me. glad you were able to do this. And I know it's this is intense and you've been doing this for a long time. So, you know, please go take care of yourself tonight. Thank you. Go rest. Yeah. Thanks. Y'all too. Okay. Love you, mean it. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening.